now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios in Portland, Oregon. Still 80 degrees, baby. Still 80 degrees. It's Still 80 degrees in October. Man. It's beautiful. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it for sure. 80 degrees with the breeze. Holla at me. We, we like it. We like it. So the weather's still decent out here, uh, for those of you that were wondering. You know, that's and such an Oregon thing that we just talk about the weather <laughs> like yeah. every day. But <laughs> I mean, sure. you know what, man? When you're in paradise, you know, it's it's nice to comment on the beauty around you, I'd say. I wouldn't quite call it paradise, but I'm also not a native, so. I just meant like environmentally. Oh, I thought you meant like Oregon, Oregonian. And Oregon is a great place. Don't get me wrong. I like oh, yeah. it here. I, I it mean, here. I like the here. landscape. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. I live here for sure. I, for sure. But it, I think my paradise is sandy beaches and, uh, you yeah. know, sunny weather. And like, I like the green. I like the aesthetic of the green, especially like if I'm driving down to Seattle or if I'm driving to the coast. Like, it makes for a scenic trip. And I like the nature, you know, hiking and all of that stuff is cool. But I'm a California boy at yeah. the end of the day, baby. I like water, sandy beaches. You know what I'm saying? You know, hot weather, warm weather, if you will, which obviously Oregon doesn't have much of. Again, that's why we're so grateful right now that it's still 80 degrees in October. But um, I hear you, though. I hear you. It's just funny that that's happening. It is happening. (laughs) It is happening. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Your your, your weather update on the Wake Up and Win podcast. Uh, Say that. Flex, man. Your weather update. I'll do weather. Give me the mic. I'll do weather. Wind Let's shares. Go. We're going to do wind shares. How about that? Okay. Well, wind shares. I mean, speaking of giving me the microphone, you know, I did my first game. Yes, you did. Sitting alongside you over there, Pacific against Absolutely. Willamette, and we dusted them 35 to nothing. Donuts. And sweep, or not even a sweep. And that I was t- a shutout. Yeah, it was a, yeah. Shutout. A shellacking, really, a true shellacking. But, you know, that's what's to be expected. Pacific University was good. I'll tell you this I got some clips coming. I watched the film. And I just want to formally apologize on the podcast for stomping, just curb stomping all over this man's call. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a, a, a super cut together of all of like the scoring touchdowns and yeah. stuff. Where because I said on the pod and I said before, I was like, I want to just be like the way I do it. I want to be like the heart and like the eyes of the fans. But it's like I'm over here like reacting like I'm in the stands while I'm supposed to be on a broadcast. That and- comes with experience, though. I think like. You know, because I still try to do somewhat of that. Like, that's a formula of mine is to be able to try and connect with the fans as much as possible during the broadcast. But the more you broadcast, obviously you've broadcasted, but this is a new sport for you, new territory. We're totally literally in, We're literally in the stands. We're just in a booth. But, like, right yeah. below us is bleacher seating. Right. So you are in the stands. So it is a little bit of a different atmosphere in that regard. But then you just, like I said, you learn, you listen to film, you watch the film, you play it back, you you start to clean some things up. Not saying that you did a bad job by any means, but just saying in general, it just comes with the territory of broadcasting, yeah. especially live broadcasting. Right. Because that's different than recording a podcast as you and I are doing. Um, you know, so, yeah, no, I think it, I, it was a good call. Yeah, I thought it was, it was a fun legit. call. I had, I had a blast, and and it was. I was like I said, I was thankful that Pacific played so well because I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, this is easy. I don't have to focus on. I mean, you know, uh, knowing the players, like being able to see the numbers and like connecting with the players. If both teams are playing good, you got to call both teams' names a Absolutely. lot more. Absolutely. So I was Absolutely. thankful to be like, cool. Yeah, you got to get real familiar because you were calling. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You got bro. you got to get familiar nah, with Pacific exactly. at least because they were the ones creating all the plays and right. making all the plays out there. Yep. I, I I hear you on that. And you know what, bro? Like I said. I don't think people post L's a lot, but I have no problem with it. So I'm going to put all these these first game calls in like a cut together and I'll post them online. Follow me at Play for a Par or Split Fan Gundy on Twitter and I'll have all that stuff up there because it's funny. But yeah, next one's the best one, bro. Let's keep going. Next one's the best one, baby. Um, I, I, before I mentioned what's on the schedule as far as win shares is concerned, definitely, definitely, definitely want to give a shout out to those that tuned in to the Street Roots Family Breakfast broadcast. We had a goal of $100,000 to reach, and we reached it. Um, and, and, you know, this is and my third and year. And that's the highest goal that you guys have set since you started yes, doing them. Yes, which or has been three years. Or in the history of the paper, was, This was year three now because we, yeah. we, we, we used to do an in-person family breakfast at the convention center in, in Portland, here in Portland. And so 
obviously the pandemic hit. We couldn't have four to five hundred people in a room. We went the broadcast route, and we we you know we worked with Swain Strategies and the AD, AV department here in Portland. And so, obviously, I got broadcast skills. We tried this thing out. We did a broadcast and went super successful. And though the last two years, my my co-host has been Maggie Vespa, formerly of KGW, currently with MSNBC. She's doing her thing now on network television. Shout out to Maggie. I got to get Maggie on the podcast here soon too, but super proud of Maggie and what she's doing. Definitely missed her on the broadcast. I've always had a lot of fun with her. That's been one of both of our favorite events to do, but this year I was in the driver's seat all by myself. And again, we set a higher bar than the previous year, you know? So, you know, the, the first year we hit for around, I think we, 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 Fundraised around like seventy five thousand. Last year we broke ninety. This year we touched a hundred. So again, just the community support, folks tuning in, all the the fine words they send me the transcripts of the chat because it's a live chat during the broadcast. I'm obviously not in it because I'm live broadcasting, but I get to see the chat and again just to see so many community members, seeing elected officials and everybody just giving a bunch of dope feedback. I appreciate you all as well. Um, for being interactive with the broadcast, tuning into the broadcast, and obviously, most importantly, you know, donating to a good cause. You know, over at Street Roots, we just purchased a new building right on 3rd and Burnside. So a lot of the money that was raised on this broadcast was, you know, is being driven to the renovations being made for the new building and all the costs that come with that, of course. Um, we we got a bigger space. We're excited about it. The organization continues to grow. We'll be very front facing yeah, here say, in the very city. Visible. Very visible. Third and Burnside. I mean, that's right across the street from landmarks like Voodoo Donuts. Right. Um, you know, we already know. You know the, the how popular of a street Burnside is. So very visible. Obviously, we got some good journalism as well. Um, I'll have more journalism on the horizon in that regard. But again, thanks to everybody that tuned in, you know, shared their support, commented, complimented, whatever it was. It is greatly appreciated. And uh, it's more to come on that front now. So, so what led to the decision to retire the bow tie this year? Um, I just I, I didn't wear the bow tie <laughs> the first year. Well, so you, I wore it, it last made, year. It made an impact last year. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I literally um, saw people talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> you know what, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, this year I went with a, with the standard tie, if you will, but I actually wore a bow tie the very next day. I had to I had to mm. wear a suit twice in a week this week because I DJed in the Bay Area, but it was a prom-themed party that I DJed in the Bay Area. So I had to be suited and booted for that, and for whatever reason, I just decided I wanted to wear a bow tie to prom at 29 years old. <laughs> but no, it was a 30th birthday party. It was actually super cool, though, because you know everybody participated, first and foremost, that showed up. And then for some people, they really never had a prom experience. Like, mm. there are people out there that... I mean, I forget because I've been to three proms yeah, I while say, I was I, in high school. Yeah, I went to three in high yeah, school. Yeah, <laughs> I went to three proms while I was in high school. So for me, you know, I, I got that fixed back then. But there were definitely people there that were super appreciative of this event. One, it was just an excuse for folks to dress out, step out, look nice, come glamorous, have a good time. And we did do that. But also, I got to hear from a lot of people like, Man, I, I finally feel like I really went to prom, you know, in my early 30s. Or like I said, this was a 30-year-old birthday party. So that was super dope as well. So I guess I just decided I'd do the bow tie for prom this year. And I just kind of went with a standard, you know, nice tie for the breakfast broadcast. I, I'm just glad to hear it's still in rotation, bro. That's all. Still that's, in rotation. That's, all, that's the reason I asked. Absolutely. <laughs> Tonight, I will be at Export 9 p.m. to midnight. So you can hear me on the ones and twos. Um, I'll be taking a little break after that, so you might want to come check it out tonight because uh, I won't be back up there until the 22nd, I believe that is, Saturday the 22nd. Then I'll be at Bible Club Sunday the 23rd. So pull up tonight because this will be the last time you'll hear me DJ for a couple weeks. I won't be DJing at all next weekend. We will be calling college football next weekend, right. Pacific University at home against Linfield. Linfield. Against Linfield. 
Yeah, and, and so, it's going to be a tough uh, that'll game. be the next time. It's going to be a tough and one. And go to Go Boxers. And, and GoBoxers.com, baby, to and tune then check in. check it out. Yeah, because it's live, and we're up there getting live and direct. Let's go. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, those are the wins. Oh, and then I'm throwing a Halloween party. I mean, I might as well start promoting that now because it is already October 6th when we record, October 7th when you all will hear it. Um, but October 29th, I'm throwing a, a, a Halloween party at Export. I'm I'm coming in a costume, which means you can too. You're very much so welcome to do so. It'll be from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Usually I'm there 9 p.m. to midnight, but because we're celebrating... Uh, the horror on the 16th floor, bro. The horror on the 16th floor, and it will be a good time. <laughs> so uh, if you want to get dressed up, but also keep it classy, you know where to come. 16th floor, Porter Hotel, downtown Portland, Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge, and uh, so, yeah, I, like I said, I should start promoting that because uh, it's going to be kind of a big deal. Ready for content? Or no, you got some win shares, do you? You've been doing music. I've been yeah. seeing you posting <laughs> clips, performing. Yeah, so so, so I have a fr- yeah, so I have a, a group of friends. Shout out G, Shivalo, Rob. These guys are doing this project. They're kind of bringing it up off the ground. It's called Studio Time. And um, I played with them, like, I guess almost two weeks ago at this point. We're working on getting that footage. But there's a lot of that footage uh, and then it'll all be coming out. You just got to follow me, man. It's time to direct traffic, bro. I, you know, hit me up on online and, and follow me. I'm posting, you know, music and, and sports stuff and, uh, funny stuff. So hit me up on that. Um, and I, I might be back, bro. I might be back. Is that how you feel? I might be back. I just do feel that way. Yeah. And I'm working on, you know, I got some stuff, man. It's just, you know, music is, I I just want to just do the best I can in the sports stuff. So definitely go check us out. Goboxers.com on these calls. And, you know, I'm going to be rolling all the way through the year uh, into basketball season. So, so we're out here, man. It's, you know, it's time to, it's time to, it's time to broadcast, broadcast to straight and journalize all over Portland, bro. Let's go. It's a good time, baby. It's a good time. So stay locked in with your winners over here, man. Stay locked in. Um, I want to start light today. Congratulations to Aaron Judge. We'll get heavy. Yeah. So but some days you just come in, especially when you got an intersectional podcast and you got sports you just and know, politics. Yeah, I know. And we talk about it every time. Talk We're about like, heavy stuff. I want to like, congratulate. Aaron I feel Judge. like congratulating Aaron Judge. Sixty-two home runs, regardless, is a lot of home runs. A lot of home runs. <laughs> That's a lot. It's an absolute slugger. That's a third of the time it's you're an absolute yanking. Absolute slugger. A third of the time in the season you're yanking one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For sure. From like a raw number standpoint, I will say this. He looks like he's ready to go get 73, 74. I think he'll be the one to do it. I think that he could do it. I think he'll be the one to do it. I, I don't know if it'll happen this year. Is he hold on first off? Is he the is he the home run king? Barry Bonds. Okay. I'm from the Bay, man. Come on. That's, All right. Barry Lamar Bonds. I don't care. What, I agree, yeah, dude. Barry Bonds. Barry I agree. Bonds. No. And, and and the thing is, it's like, yeah, we got steroids, we got this, we got that, all of that. Living in the Bay Area, and I'm an A's fan. I'm not a Giants fan, but I grew up in the Bay. And just remembering that time and being able to witness within that region, that moment in history, it's not a drug in the world that could take that away from me. Whether it's HGH, (laughs) don't let me start naming off THC, (laughs) MDMA. (laughs) It's not a drug. There's not a drug in the world for me yeah. that can like disconnect me from that time period Dude, and that moment bro, in history and being Mark- able to live through that growing up in the Bay where, for us, it's again, Wyatt, I'm an A's fan, <laughs> even though I'm an A's fan, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, just growing up in the Bay, my family is, you know, we're split. Half of us are A's fans, half of us are Giants fans. Same goes with football. Half is Raider fans, half is Niner fans. And so, like... There's like I saw it happen in real time. And to me, there's not a deeper connection to the home run king conversation, if you will, than being able to experience that in real time Mm. because we saw it really happen. You can call it cheating. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But we saw it really happen. And it's not just a made up fictional thing like Knowing that and growing up in that market and being able to see and witness that and knowing the feeling that it gave to obviously the Bay Area, but the baseball world at large, like 
Barry Bonds will always be king to me until somebody hits 74 home runs or 73 home runs, whatever the case may be. But he's the king until his record is broken. Not until somebody hits 62 home runs and becomes the American League king or becomes the Yankees king. Until I see that number broken, Barry Bonds will forever be the the home run king to me. No, I agree, and I think that Aaron Judge could definitely do it. I mean, he's you know he's he's having at bats where people are walking him, people are trying to pr- protect legacy, your record, and all all this all this stuff that just to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, let him go do it. Give him a a a, a puncher's chance here. He's gonna go into next season primed, primed. to start just sending yes homers, and he could easily hit. I mean, dude, even if he ties it, if he hits 70, it's like, holy shit, somebody just hit 70 home runs. And that's what I'll also say. Since Barry Bonds, nobody has gave me the feeling (laughs) of being able to eclipse Barry Bonds the way Aaron Judge has been able to. Since Barry. Like, obviously, you've had your sluggers since then. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, as far as that particular single season record is concerned, I haven't had that feeling around anybody being able to even compete with Barry as the home run king, which again for me, you got to eclipse him to be able to 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 be to take the crown from him. But it's totally Judge. Judge feels like the dude that it's can gotta really be make totally it happen. Possible, man. We're in an era where like all of these records, even into the '90s, where we're like, well, there's just no. The rhetoric is there's just no way that these records will ever be broken. And then you just start seeing guys like Victor Wembanyama show up and like all these other sports. And you're just like, all right, well, maybe not never. Maybe, maybe not like never. it won't be broken this year. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean, so so anything is possible, bro. And I just like to see the kid. I just like to see motherfuckers hit bombs, bro. Yeah. And, and he, I mean, it makes he, baseball Every fun. time he steps up, exactly. Every time he steps up to the plate, it's like, okay, you have to watch this guy. And that's where I do think, you know, and again, obviously, I and understand baseball strategy. Baseball does not have that very I, much. I, yeah, I was about to say, I understand strategy and I understand wanting to win and doing whatever you got to do to win. But that's where I do feel like, as much as he's been walked and, yeah. you know, folks are not even pitching to him at all, to me, I think that takes away from the juju of the sport Agreed. overall. Agreed. And and that's where, you know, you you're you're grateful to have a guy like him that can still do what he's been able to do. He's the AL home run king. He's the Yankees home run king. He's he surpassed Babe Ruth. He's done all of these great things, but it's like that chase, that quest to breaking the record, like compete against that. You, I mean, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And you're not beating the best by by putting them on base. <laughs> yeah. You're beating the best by striking them out, or he just might beat you by knocking the ball out of the park. That comes with the territory of the game. It's like some... It's like better being, pitches. <laughs> it's like being dunked on. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, you can clear the lane from time to time, but at the same time, you're not going to just keep letting somebody come down the lane and just dunk play after play after play without contesting it. You might get stuffed in the rim with the ball, or you might get the stop necessary to go win or to go prove that maybe I can guard up in this particular situation. But at the same time, like, you respect the guy that's going to be willing to compete and guard up, regardless of the noise and the trash talking. I'm talking about being within the game and being within the sport, like the guy that's going to step up and make the play or at least step up and attempt to make the play, that's the guy I want on my team, just generally speaking, as a competitor. And if you end up on a poster, be happy. It's like, do they even make posters anymore? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, right, man. It happens. (laughs) It happens. They might not make posters, but they sure do make social media posts. They make posts. Yeah, they make, they make, you will be on Bleacher Report. You will be, you will will go viral. You will be (laughs) (laughs) It will happen. Yeah, they make posts. They might not make posters, but they definitely make posts. But again, congratulations to Judge. You know, he, I, I think, you can't deny the fact that he's bringing interest back to the sport of baseball, which over the the years that we've done this podcast, we have criticized time and again. And it's something I've always hated to criticize because I come from a baseball town. You know, I, I grew up around baseball was everything for me growing up. And so I hate to see the sport veering in the direction that it has over the years, especially from like a social level. Mm. Um, but at the same time, 
It's like if the opportunity presents itself to be able to have moments like these within the sport, I'm grateful for it because I don't want to see the demise of the sports. I think it's a pure game. Um, it's a game that a lot of people have grown to love. It's a game that has entertainment value if you allow it to. And I think Judge is bringing that. And I mean, hitting home runs and hitting bombs brings entertainment value just in itself. So the fact that Judge is able to have the historic season he's having in that regard, I'm 1,000% here for it. I'm 1,000% here for it. Um, WNBA letters. Let's take it there. Obviously, y'all know we've been following this thing closely. We had the conversation with Senator Wyden here on the podcast. We published that conversation in the Street Roots newspaper as well. Since then, Senator Wyden sent a letter to Kathy Engelbert, who is the WNBA commissioner, and Adam Silver, who is the NBA commissioner. Um, he sent letters to them after the conversation we had here advocating for WNBA to PDX, if it indeed does happen, um, you know, by way of expansion. And both Engelbert, and, and Humper Silver. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Both Engelbert and Silver have responded. And without reading the full letters that each of them said in response, I think the most important takeaway in Engelbert's letter is that the WNBA are actively considering the city of Portland to be a destination for WNBA expansion. I think that's the most important takeaway from both of their letters. Obviously, they had a lot of good things to say about the city, but the fact that expansion is being considered, which we already kind of knew that and yeah, expected that, of and that Portland is an active consideration for WNBA expansion, that's obviously beautiful to hear. And I'm glad that Senator Wyden, again, somebody who I've credited, he'll at least take the steps. He'll take the action. He'll write the letter. He'll 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 lead the resolution. Like he'll do these kinds of things to at least spark the conversation. And now we're at a point where if we if the WNBA does indeed expand and we don't get a WNBA team, we can continue to look more critically at our own city to see, well, why? If we were being actively considered and this wasn't just some, like, me pulling an idea from left field, like, we saw the letters, we saw that there was active consideration for this city, and to me, bringing a WNBA to this city is low-risk, high-reward, where usually things are high-risk, high-reward. I think this is a low-risk, high-reward scenario to be able to bring WNBA to Portland knowing that it's being actively considered by the WNBA, if expansion does happen and we don't have a team, we need to critically be asking why right. and challenging our own community Yeah, here we go. to see what's the progress that needs to be made for us to be able to inherit, again, low-risk, high-reward opportunities such as this one. Well, I mean, I think even before that, bro, like, this ain't no radio station. This is a podcast. We can call to action. Go and tweet these people. Let me, let me put my let me put my hat on for a sec. Do Look, it because it because I'm talking to listeners. Like hit them up because you got to keep beating that drum. You know, psychologically, you got to keep beating that drum and and put it in their heads. And my thought about this, bro, because you know, one plus one equals will equal two to me in this situation. In the sense that when the, the when the ownership group or the person that, if you think about it for a half of a second, you'd think, well, he's a no-brainer to to be the guy on this one, a Mr. Phil Knight. Yes. And, you know. The who obviously was, who also. Was interested was, in basketball just a. And a, he was included in it, Senator Wyden's letter. It was good just a week ago. He was included so, in Senator Wyden's letter right. for uh, advocating for WNBA Absolutely. expansion. Absolutely. And so for me, I mean, I need you to show and prove. And I think just off of what you know, the universe is offering today, like Kathy Engelbert at the very least should likely pull up to, if, if I see her pull up to the PK 80 mm. on November 24th, which now has a women's tournament as well this year. Exactly. And then I see some of that shoulder rubbing going on. Then I can feel like, all right, this thing is moving in the right direction because to me, that just seems like the most, you know, a plus B equals C sort of equation. Mm -hmm. And, and I just want to see, these sorts of, you know, um, like like the trajectories of these things happen in like logical ways, 
You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, for sure. And, and a lot of the time, you know, because a lot of the times, like, you know, with, um, I mean, even the, like the um, Jody Allen situation with Portland. Yes. And just and, and just the way that the trajectory of that organization has gone, where it's just maddening to your to your fan who's looking from the outside in and going like, well, none of this seems like the most logical steps. And so for for this WNBA situation, in my opinion, that is a logical like beginning steps to get something tangible and like expeditious off the ground. Because I do believe that there should be a WNBA team in you know Portland by like next full season straight yeah, up. or like or like sure. two seasons from now at the most like it cannot be that with all of this like preliminary sort of you know conversation going on about trying to get an NBA team you yeah. know in the whole of, of the Pacific Northwest I'm not just excl- you know I'm not pigeonholing this just to the, like Portland but I mean it just it should be done and I hope that I see Kathy Engelbert in Portland in like uh, the weekend of the last weekend of November. Thanksgiving weekend, baby. Yeah. I mean, that to me, it's like, hey, man, it's it's serving it up on a platter and, for And me. that's what I'm wondering because, like, obviously the conversation has been around. You want the around, pub. The PR is the like, PR is, that it's, shit it's, writes it's, itself in that situation. A- absolutely. And obviously, you know, again, we know, you know, Jody Allen doesn't seem to be that invested into the Blazers for one to feel like Jody Allen would also support a WNBA team to Portland. And obviously there's influence there being that Jody Allen is the owner of the Portland Trailblazers. So you do have Phil Knight pushing in that regard, but I agree. I want to hear more about Phil Knight's interest in a WNBA team coming to Portland. And he has a very prominent platform to be able to roll the red card out for the people that, matter to come see how Portland can potentially support women's sports in general. And obviously the closest thing being to that would be NCAA women's college basketball, especially right. at the division one level. So I do agree with you that this is a time that the same way, however that information came out that we knew that Phil Knight had interest in the Portland trailblazers. This is a time where he needs to leak to whoever it is that we need that same interest in you wanting a WNBA team here in Portland because, yeah. again, from a critical standpoint, now we're in a position to where if we know that it's being actively considered by the W that Portland is a potential destination for expansion, if it doesn't happen, why? And I don't want the why to be because the necessary people – didn't make the potential steps to make it happen. Right. I would rather that why be the person that couldn't make it happen blatantly and glaringly did not make the push to make it happen, which again pushes us even more so to advocate to get Jody Allen, Jody Allen the hell out of ownership for the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> hey, look, man. That's the way I see it from a critical standpoint again. And we've already got enough reasons to to make that statement. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, there are already enough reasons to make that statement now. But in this case, again, with such a low-risk, high-reward scenario to not be activated upon, again, if Phil Knight doesn't activate upon it or show interest in it, then you could say, well, Jody Allen didn't necessarily care, but Phil Knight didn't either. We knew Phil Knight wanted to buy the Trailblazers. We didn't know Phil Knight wanted to own a WNBA team. And again, I, I do believe that he would 100% support that. But as the general public, we need to know that because I think that amplifies mm. him being able to make a push for not only bringing an WNBA t- team here, of course, but also that push that yeah. folks want to see in that Senator Wyden mention of him wanting to own the Trailblazers yeah. as well. Yeah, and it's such a ripple effect too because it's like it really does make like a statement about the like, uh, you know, how much value uh, women's sports, you know, has in the minds of these these folks here, you know, yeah. a la the thorns. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, you know, there was a, a, a with some recent firings. You know, yeah. After the Yates report, a lot of systemic abuse happening within the NWSL, but but in particular, you know, the Coach Riley stories and, and things of that sort. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and and I still feel like you know this the response at that is. It's still tepid and like, well, you know, it just it's delayed and and it doesn't it feels disingenuous and like a, you know, it, people we just want like I I think you said it good like we just want like 
we need to know, and it needs to be solidly like stated, and yes. and the actions need to be. And again, swift for me. I'm like, you know, come on, guys. The clock is ticking here. Like, obviously, it's endless, but like, not on my timeline. Yeah, because yeah, everything is is syncing up right down to places like the sports bra opening up. Right, like it's all right, right here, right now. Yeah, the infrastructure. You know what I mean? It's so there. You gotta take it's the so shot there. if it's this wide open. And, and again, so that's why just, I keep saying it's such a low risk, high reward like, scenario. Fire, hand me a hundred thousand dollars. I'll get on the phone with all these yeah. people and be like, "Let's make it happen by rapping, Captain." Because it really is time. It really and is. So time. That's where I'm at with it. It one hundred percent is time. You know what I'm saying? So again, shout out to Senator White and making that push. You know, and again, it, it was it was to me it was it was awesome it was a good feeling to be able to see and know and and we often talk about it even from an nba lens we oftentimes question this market we we question if the market is big time enough if it's a small time market we question this market so often moments and opportunities like these being seized is what will turn us into the market that we question if we are or are yeah, not. Yeah, we all we all want to see ourselves as, but a lot of the times it doesn't fall short because we don't see certain opportunities. And this is a again a perfect example of an opportunity that if we do indeed seize it, that will boost this market for sure. And I mean, and what about the hooping? Eighteen extra games at the Rose Garden, man. Come 18 on, eighteen extra games. I mean, the hooping, the broadcast, and I saw something. And just knowing this is Soccer City USA, and obviously we'll get into some of this stuff with the NWSL and the Thorns here shortly. But, like, I, I saw a report um, in regards to the MLS ratings. Let me go find it right quick. It was – and I, re, I remember seeing it in August when this person tweeted it, but it's Alex Azzi of NBC. And basically the MLS just signed a rights deal for $250 million per season for the next 10 seasons, just over the summer. I want to say in, like, July, they signed a, a broadcast rights deal. The The tweet that Alex Azzi said was, Huh? 2022 WNBA regular season ratings average, 372,000 viewers. 2021 MLS regular season average, 276,000 viewers. Yet... The MLS just signed a 10-year rights deal for $2.5 billion. The current NBA rights deal is $27 million per season. Think about that. $250 million. $250 million per season is the rights deal that the MLS just signed this past summer. It's a brand new rights deal. So it's a $2.5 billion deal over 10 over years. Over 10 years, which means two fifty dollars per year. The current WNBA rights deal is only $27 million per year, yet it has, it has 100,000 more viewers ratings-wise than the MLS has. In 2022, compared to the 2021 MLS ratings leading up to that two and a half billion deal for the course of 10 years. Ball don't lie. <laughs> Ball don't lie. So it's like, what better investment could you ask for? Because now these are the numbers that you can negotiate right. seeing the kinds of broadcast deals that are being made in other American sports that don't even have the viewerships or the ratings that you do as a league, yet they're making 10 times more than you per year. It's a no-brainer. So again, if we don't capitalize and seize this here moment, we got some real looking in the mirror to do as a market about do we take ourselves serious or no? Nah? Because I'm not going to take this, this market too much more serious if we don't, again, I'm not saying that it has to happen. I'm saying I want to see the action and the necessary steps made to make it happen, knowing that we're now being actively considered as a market via expansion. And knowing allegedly. that allegedly, because I haven't seen any action behind saying. I mean, I, look, I'm not trying to let well, any criticism. If it happens, I, I'm just going right. off the letter from the WNBA but, but commission. I, no, for sure, I'm saying like I, I will absolutely levy criticism on that quote unquote activity if I don't see people 
that are responsible and their jobs are to are to to expand the league and and, and that it, it's to me it's that event that's the one you know you come to the pk and then you get some shots and at the very least you can put that on social media yeah. and then f- gauge you know you know uh interest from there and it's like you've got political you, interest already you got to do it you got infrastructure. Do it. You know what I mean? You got to do it. Like Absolutely. I can't I can't log into the you know whatever uh, uh social media accounts for them. <laughs> like they're going to they got to show up. You got to get the the pictures. You got to have the conversation. So that's why we're here here talking about it. Man, man, you should <laughs> 10 times more in the new MLS deal, the new MLS broadcast deal we're that was shitting. just made that was just made this summer. And again, I, like I said with with those numbers um, the 2021 MLS regular season viewers was 276,000 viewers compared to 372,000 regular season. And these were both regular season, regular season ratings in 2022 for the W. Come on, man. We, we got to take this serious. Yeah. This is one. This is one that we got to attack, attack. The way I saw us attack the MLB, which I think was far less likely to be able to actually obtain. And clearly that's showing right now. It's an absolute pipe dream because we ain't been able to break ground on nothing of a stadium out here, mm-hmm. which was what would have had to happen. You already have the infrastructure here. You've got the bones. You've got the markets. You've got the people. You've got so many proofs of concept. You know what I'm saying? So you it's got like, Nike and Adidas five uh, miles five, away. Come on, man. Stop come on, playing. man. Stop playing with it. Stop playing with it. Um, again, with this Thorne situation, there was a Yates report and there was, again, systemic abuse throughout, you know, the, the NWSL and, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where we talked about it back when the whole thing happened with coach Riley and a lot of this abuse being known abuse from executives all the way up top. Um, and in the case of the Thorns, um, the Thorns, and, well, actually, it's not just the Thorns. It is the Thorns and the Timbers. Their team president has been relieved of his duties since this report came out. Gavin Wilkinson um, and the president of business, Mike Gulov, have, Gulov, has been relieved of his duties as well with both clubs. So that's a good start. There's a huge push. I mean, I just actually went to my first Thorns match last weekend. Shereen Ahmed was out here. We've obviously had her on this podcast, friend of the show, um, huge uh, women's, you know, huge sports journalist, obviously primarily covering women's sports, but huge sports journalist out out of Toronto. And she was here to do a lecture at Pacific University, which, by the way, I didn't announce in wind shares. I'll be doing a lecture at Pacific University oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, I totally forgot on about Halloween that. day. I'm um, but be the, there. In, the in your face lecture. So I got to go with Shireen and Jules, and I had a great time, great experience being able to go to my first thorns match i've been to a bunch of timbers matches never had never been to a thorns match had a great time but you know there obviously is that push from the thorns base there's been that push from the timbers base uh for merritt paulson to sell the team our good friend jules boykoff has been very very critical of merritt paulson over the years since the exception since the inception of the timbers leading up all the way until you know the recent findings you know with coach riley and now we have this yates report which is like 100 pages 100 like 100 plus page report um so i haven't been able to go through all of it to just be quite honest with you to get too deep into detail but obviously that report ignited a firing of the president of the pro of the clubs as well as the president of business of these particular clubs so obviously first and foremost you want to lead with the women um you know who were victims of this systemic abuse within the thorns organization and within the national women's soccer league at large um and then second of all i just think outside of just the investigative piece this is just another scenario where you are seeing the people not settle. Obviously, this is on the heels of the Sarver situation with the Phoenix Suns and Mercury, where the people just didn't settle for allowing him to be able to get away with the behavior that he got away with. And I feel like these fan bases didn't settle either, which led to this investigation um, from the U.S. Women's Soccer Federation to to pursue 
and, and then obviously you get this report to come out, and now we have, you know, toxic, high toxic executives being relieved of their duties. So, you know, the the people run this thing, man. <laughs> Ultimately, is what I'm getting at. Outside of obviously sending my well wishes to the victims of this systemic abuse, but it's just another example of the people flexing their muscle. Yeah to being able to make happen what they deem necessary. And I also agree and align with necessary to make happen. Yeah. I mean, it just, uh, it sucks because it's really like, well, they're saying the quiet parts out loud by, you know, sort of, and what it really feels like is like, if you're putting the defending of like misogyny over making money it's like world-class hater shit <laughs> you know what i mean and it's mm -hmm. like and it's like nobody likes that we and we live in a world where <clears throat> excuse me it's like we know that you're gonna pocket all the money anyway yeah all of these executives like we know you're pocketing all the money mls players wmls players do not get paid a lot of money but they're signing 2.5 Bs. So we know you're going to cop all that money and just pocket it yourself. But you could at the very least, like, even if you don't believe it, and I know this is crazy, but, like, even if you don't believe it, like, to, to hold up and create environments in which you can, like, cultivate misogyny and, like, abuse yeah. toward... I mean, women are the targets often likely just because these are weak people inside of their hearts. And so they just need to find a group of people or whatever to abuse. So they're like, oh, I'll perceive these people as being below me. And so then there's my target. But it's just like it all. And, and it's like you, all of these these instances and stories connect up in the sense that it's like really the sentiment of the sport like sports executive sports higher up decision makers in the state of Oregon sort of at large is that they just don't like women's sports yeah. and, and women it seems right and so it's like we see that now I mean we, we I mean we know we you know I mean people have been trying to say it now it's like as a whole it's way more you know visible but it's like okay cool you're firing these people but it's like the only way that you're going to be able to talk correctly is if the money you got to talk with the money here. $2.5 billion. That, I can't get that number out of my head, bro. Yeah, for 10 years for the MLS broadcast rights. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where's that money going to go that's going to, that's going to, you know, improve these sorts of glaring holes and issues in your organization? Where's the money going to go that's going to actively, immediately change the narrative that we continue to talk about every week where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they don't get paid as much. Yeah. Well, then pay them. Yeah. 2.5, pay them. Or put them in these positions. Well, sure, but it's them, like. I mean, but uh, along gotta, with paying them, you put them in these, for one, they are getting paid, being in these executive positions, but also they're helping not to enable you know, man, what the people you are but paying have this, enabled over time right. that led to what we now have as the Yates report. All right, I'll, I, I mean, I suppose to a certain extent, but to me that just like, I don't know, it sort of like kicks the can down the road in the sense that it's like, okay, so we're still just going to delegate all this money to these executives with all this obscene sure. power. It's like, I hear no, you. man, Agreed. these people need to get paid. Yeah. I mean, shit fire. Even the guy that takes the trash out at the stadium needs to get paid more. It's yeah. like, this I ain't just a, you know what I mean? Like, and, 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 I, and yeah. I don't appreciate the rhetoric of like, well, you got to work, you know, like obviously you got to work. We're, we're Americans. That's all we do is work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like the rhetoric of like, well, you got to work in order to make your money. And it's like, no, 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 no. You guys need to stop like bogarting the chicken so much. Yeah. That's what really needs to happen here. For sure. And it's like, these are the instances in the, I mean, these are professional sports teams that everyone gets to see on a national level. And we all follow these stories correctly. And like, and they really do, you know, directly and, and indirectly affect downhill, like the way that our lives socioeconomically work. Yeah. And so it's like, if we can't, when you when you just secured a two point five billion dollar bag, you just got these two yahoos out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like it, Engelbert's writing letters back and forth to senators. Phil Knight's hosting, you know, his invitational with his first time having you know college. It's like okay, cool, all of that's cool and well, but we're all social media literate now. Like 
We need it's it's about it's chicken time, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's that's why I mean it's like if I don't see you guys drafting up business proposals and like money starts to get you know what I mean like yeah, then I'm just not I'm not buying any of the fluff. Got it. Especially that's with fair. these firings, you it's know what I mean? Because it felt fair. so late. It's a thousand percent fair. That's a thousand percent fair. And, and again, like I said, and, and again, I, I I do think even with those positions as well, you've got a lot of people with the Sarver situation that's advocating advocating for Sarver to sell to minorities. You know what I mean? Like find a minority ownership group, find a black ownership group. We see these retired players that are getting involved in ownership. We see the Dwayne Wades and what he's doing down in Utah. We see the LeBron James in press conferences right now already sending messages via press conference to Adam Silver. Hey, man, if y'all decide to expand to Las Vegas, I want I want in on that ownership group. It's out there. And, again, as you mentioned, there's just folks bogarting the chicken that don't want to sell to what's <laughs> out there and already in place to sell to that doesn't look like, reflect, or identify with them. Well, because they know. It's like if you give the money to the people who got real ism, then the whole thing's the whole the table's, whole getting, table's flipped getting flipped over. over. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? For sure. And for so, all the right reasons, yeah, by the way. Of course. For all the right reasons, yeah, by the way. Because we're gonna bring a bigger one in once we get this piece of junk out of here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's bring uh, Taking L's back. I'll, I'll just get straight to it. I'm giving it to White Lives Matter, yay. <laughs> hey, man. And listen, I, I'm, I'm not here to have no deep dive on Kanye West. If you've listened to this podcast. He, I think he's doing that on himself already. If, he's right. got that If covered. you've listened to the podcast over the years, I have all, it, during all the times that he's tried to manipulate these asinine moves in my opinion if you will if is all the times that he's tried to manipulate and make seem like the the moves that he were making that were totally like out of bounds and and, and really flagrant like this one is in my opinion we've seen Kanye do a lot of flagrant things recently especially since he's d- decided to become more politicized if you will and to see this this is just another example of it this isn't a new discovery of some Kanye taking it too far. Kanye's been taking it too far with MAGA hats. You know what I'm saying? With, 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 to me, with just his overall behavior on the internet, like I don't respect it. You know what I'm saying? And so like, for me, I'll always listen to Kanye's music. I'll always support Kanye's music. Cause that's always what attached me to Kanye. And when I say listening to support it, like, I'm not anti. I'm not anti Kanye West from Donda. Just like in the car, right around. I don't spend nothing from Donda, but that's not. But but again, I don't view that. But when I say Kanye's music, like there are Kanye records that I do spend. Sure, you know what I'm saying. Like like that 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 don't kill me. What only make me strong. Like I still do spend Kanye records, and I'm not. Like I'm not doing the Kanye what I did to R. Kelly. You'll never hear me play an R. Kelly record. Just straight up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not at that point with Kanye West, even with his latest antics, which have, have been uh, selfish be, antics, in it's, my it's opinion. It's Thursday when we record this. He's going to be on Tucker Carlson tonight. I'm, just, I'm only mentioning it so we have it documented. Like, yeah, we saw you, dude. We saw you. You know what I mean? You do it You do it in Europe. You do it with Can- alongside Candace Owens. Like, and then, and then, you know, just getting back to this whole, oh, well, the Black Lives Matter is a scam. Like, be, if, if, if. If you don't have the the literacy to be able to separate the organization from the statement, it's not a conversation that I'm willing to go back and forth in circles with people about anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one that I may every once in a while because I talk so much, but it's not one that I care to engage in. At that point, it's like, all right, you go have that conversation over there. I'll continue to do the work that I'm doing over here. Because it's like... I don't connect, like, for example, and this is just me being straight up honest about it. During the 2020, when all the George Floyd stuff and all of that happened, I supported Black Lives Matter, but I didn't support the foundation. And to take it a step further, I didn't go out and actively protest. Although I got a lot of coverage during that time, although I got you know what I'm saying? I, I I had all the work going on with Portland Street response and, you know, the the local government being defunded. We know how big and, and how much coverage that 
the protests locally here in Portland had for a consecutive 100 plus days of protesting. I didn't go out and protest one day. One reason I just didn't feel like I needed to put my body on the line for the police officers to, to make a point because I feel like there's other areas where I'm, I've been doing this work legitimately to where I didn't have to prove that I've been doing this work by going out in the streets like a lot of people had to that hadn't been doing this work. And we just had this traumatic moment in history being able to see George Floyd get killed on a camera with a knee in his neck the way that he did. But my point is, without me going out and protesting, without me ever giving to a Black Lives Matter foundation, I understood the value of the statement of Black Lives Matter in the in the anti-police work, if you will, at that time that I did that I did and still do, quite frankly, that got me a lot of the coverage and that got me a lot of the recognition and even some ways notoriety because of the work that I had already been doing leading up to that, that aligned with that particular statement. So to see somebody like Kanye West try to be as basic as Black Lives Matter was a scam, I finally put Black Lives Matter to an end by having a White Lives Matter fashion show or whatever the hell that was. To me, that's just weak tea. And again, it's something that I'm not really willing to talk in circles about because like, you don't have to support the organization that was a scam or whatever it is that you want to call it to be able to separate that organization from what that statement actually means to people in society that also have never donated to anybody's Black Lives Matter organization or went out to anybody's Black Lives Matter protest. I'm somebody that didn't either. But I understand the value of that statement and can connect it to alternative first response programs and first response legislation that I have been able to be a part of that's an alternative to policing that has negatively impacted black lives, which is the reason why we're trying to let y'all know that these black lives matter. And so fuck him as far as I'm concerned. Like I I've lost respect for Kanye West a long time ago. Um he was never able to spin his political genius because what he can do marketing wise by none of these recent antics that we've seen of Kanye West. And I sit here today with zero respect for Kanye West outside of the art that he makes. That's it. My taking L's is not, uh, it's Matthew Stafford. Look, we, you said we were going to talk about football uh, uh, fantasy and you were going to try to get, because I loved that segment, by the way, when you had people that you played call in. I love that. That was great. I would love to get that back, but. Yeah, it's definitely Matt Stafford. How do you get, how are you going to be the defending Super Bowl champions? Go out, play a football game, and not score a touchdown. I mean, that's crazy, bro. How much money does he get paid? Whatever. I took my first L in fantasy off of the strength of these fools not being Matthew Stafford not being able to score a touchdown. So that's why I'm bitter about it. But I'm still top dog in the league, so don't even get it twisted for a second. Uh, if you follow me on play for par on IG. I'm three and one, but I got the most points in the league. So, you know, don't sleep, but I'm saying, I'm, look, I'm, I'm so, we're so tapped into this, man. I'm so tapped into this sports stuff. I got music coming, but you know, uh, I, I we, we're not taking any L's anytime soon over here on this, on this, uh, podcast. So, you know, that's, that's all I got to say about that brother. Well, on that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, to stay woke and go, and go in. in.